This is this is the big life. Big, big, big life. The show for people who want to live life large. I'm Ray Waters. I'm Neil Campbell. Have you ever let fear stop you from doing something that you either really wanted to do or really needed to do? Oh yeah, yeah, many many times. How about you? Yeah, of course. It's I, I think it's a human thing. You know, every book I read about successful people, they all have a chapter or two or three, or at least it runs through to me their 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 dialogue, how they had to figure out how to get past fear. And a lot of times I don't even think of fear as fear. I don't feel afraid ever. Right. right. But you would call it fear. Okay. So sometimes you think maybe people think fear is only the scary monster, but you don't ever that's not what you're thinking. I, I never feel like I'm afraid. Never. Right. right. But if you were an outsider looking at me not wanting to ever answer a phone if it rings, you could uh, call that fear. I, yeah, forgot about that. You yeah. So the phone is not a part of your life. Not I hate phones. I, I, I do anything to avoid talking on a phone. And I have a lot of friends. Thanks to Facebook, I realized, you know, we talked about tribes. Right. I have this tribe of people who hate phone calls. We would do anything to avoid them. When did that kind of pop up for you? It's always been a thing, but as I've grown older, it's become stronger and stronger and stronger. My ex-wife used to make the phone calls huh? because I just hate it. Huh. And you think deep down it's fear, but it's not? It's fear, but fear can be protective, not necessarily in a good way, not necessarily in a bad way. But I think in this case with me with phones, it's yeah. a, it's it limits my potential because it limits what I'm able to do in business because I depend on other people to do that part of the business, negotiating, talking to people. You know, when you and I first started working together, I had never, of course, never met anybody that uh, was that way about phones. And you told me, I don't do phones. And you and I would set appointments Mm -hmm. and we would meet on Skype and suddenly we'd be looking at each other and we'd be talking. Mm -hmm. But I just didn't have a idea and call you on the phone. It just wasn't the way that you were. And that's one thing with everybody that I know who doesn't do phones, they can do it by appointment. And that makes all the difference. Huh. It's that random at any time I I'm going to interrupt somebody's day. Who am I to interrupt their day yeah, yeah. with what's on my mind? That yeah. just doesn't seem not, and I don't want anybody to do it to me either. Yeah. I want, to set a time. And if we set a time, I'm good with it. That's the one time I could do phone calls. Huh? Huh? Fear is an interesting topic. Yeah. And I think I'm just beginning to scratch the surface, maybe of understanding some of it. So I'm glad we're talking about fear today. What are things that you're fearful of that have limited you? You know, that I think success Mm -hmm. in a way I had enormous success as a young guy. Yeah. And then I went through a, a, broken up marriage, mm-hmm. my fault. And I think, um, I think coming back from that, I had a little fear of allowing myself success and I, I had sense. success, but it was, it was limited. It was yeah. a limited success for sure. And I think that's taken years for me to work through. I never had, I was, I was one of those crazy kids and you might have this, I don't know if this is, was in you or not, but like I could go meet anybody. I could, um, 
I could walk past security guards mm-hmm. at concerts and go backstage and introduce myself to people and like I own the world when yeah. I was 13, 14, 15 years old. I don't know why. Your dad, I think. Yeah, my dad is very much that way. And But even I scared him. So we were in, <laughs> we were in Australia when I was 16 years old. He took me to see a, a performer. He's gotten into some trouble late in his life, but his name's Rolf Harris. He's an English performer. He's mm-hmm. brilliant. And so we're at this Vegas type casino in Sydney, Australia. And I say, Dad, would you like to meet? the performer and yeah. he said you're out of your mind i said follow me <laughs> and we walked right backstage and right into the dressing room and i introduced myself to rolf harris who was a world-renowned performer from england wow and uh so whatever it was i didn't have those kind of fears but i think mine were more hidden they were more the fear of uh maybe the success that i deep down wanted that i would either sabotage or mm-hmm, certainly huge. put it in put it in a box because yeah. I just didn't think I, I I could do it. So yeah, I've I've struggled I've struggled with that as well. You know when I read about fear, they say that babies are born with a couple of fears, I guess, um the fear of loud noises and the fear of mm-hmm. feeling like they're falling if they don't feel uh, if they don't supported. feel that supported, they yeah. feel that that but I guess all the other fears are learned when I was a little boy, I don't know if you had this struggle or not, but I was in the 60s. I was in elementary school, and Dr. King was assassinated, and then Senator Kennedy was assassinated. And I never thought about death as a seven, eight-year-old boy, but suddenly all the TV shows um, are preempted in the afternoon, oh, yeah. and my mom is crying. Everybody seems to be crying. And I became really petrified of death. I don't know if that's normal or not normal. I've heard that story from people who grew up in the sixties a lot. It's so it's not unique to you. I've heard people who are a little bit older than you talk about how in the fifties, everything was happy. And then all of a sudden the whole world changed in the sixties and it got darker. And yeah, I mean, I I even, I remember Kent state. I remember, Oh my gosh, people are dying. What is going on? And I, so I had a little bit of that, and then I think I worked through that and just became a normal adult as a, or a normal teenager and then an adult. And uh, I had hidden fears. Um, one of the things that took me a long time to realize is fear doesn't have to be bad. Some fears are good fears. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess as as kids, our well, parents, they're protective. Protective. That's exactly right. As parents, we said our kids, listen to me. Do not cross the road without mm-hmm. me because we know they're not going to be looking. They're going to. They're. It's dangerous. Or uh, swimming, even when the rules were kind of confusing. You know, you spend thirty minutes. You have after whatever mm-hmm. that we that we realize now that's not a good rule. But um, you don't go out too deep in the water because yeah. we want them to have a certain sense of fear or the ocean rip tides when my oh, boys yeah. were when my boys were little it's like i wanted them close enough for me to yeah. grab because i just in my mind thought this could be dangerous for mm-hmm. them so I, I guess fear can be both a friend or it can be a foe yeah and maybe sometimes ambivalent maybe it's not neither but but i found in my life it can either be a great friend ray slow down you don't need to be driving so fast right. that puts you in a danger you don't need to d- have or as a younger man, Ray, you don't need to get in the car with those guys. Um, they're intoxicated and yeah. they're driving and you may not make the destination yeah. that you want to make. So I, I have some good sense that fear can help me. And then I have to know when fear is irrational and I need to plow through it. So that's I, really the key. It seems like you've got to dis, you've got to work out. Is this something I'm going to embrace and be okay with 
Or is it irrational? Is it hurting me? Is it protecting me or is it hurting me? Yeah. So those become huge issues. Uh, One of the things I've realized too is I used to think it was the issue that was where the fear was, but I've now learned, no, it's a person's mindset towards the issue. Like Mm -hmm. the phone is not fearful. It is your mindset towards the phone. Um, Success is not fearful. Some people embrace it and it's wonderful, but it was just my mindset towards it. Um, Took me a long time to to figure that out, but I think that that's key. I give you a a story, story from antiquity, a group of people going to go into a a new territory, a new land promised to them. It's going to be a big deal. The leader sends 12 spies to spy it out, find out what's good or bad about it. And 10 of the people come back and say, nope, scary, can't go there, can't do that. <laughs> and only two of the guys come back and say, what are you talking about? This is this is a dream. This is a land flowing with milk and honey. This is amazing. We still have some obstacles to overcome, but this is it, guys. Mm-hmm. This is it. I think that's that mindset that we have to get on. We have to be able to look at and say, what happens for me on the other side? Right. I know that neither of us want this show to be about politics because we don't want to shut anybody out because this is really about living your best life, but it's applicable when we want to build a wall of protectedness. I'm not afraid of anything I know or have ever experienced about Mexicans. I love them and they make great food and they are great people and wonderful. And so I don't, I don't, need a wall because I'm not scared of that. But a lot of people are afraid of that and they think they need a wall. And it really comes down to, you really have to deal with the fear and say, is this rational, irrational? Is it protective or is it harmful? Yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And the story that you were telling, the optimists, the hopeful people, they ultimately, I mean, that's a Bible story. Everybody's right. going to get the clue. You didn't say Bible, but it's well, a Bible I try story. To, I try for our, our friends out there from other faiths. I try to. And I'm an atheist, so <laughs> I'm okay with it. Right. The thing is that those people, if it's a true story, they won. The, they won. Yeah. They, they ultimately led the people to that better place. And the, the people who were afraid had the irrational fear they didn't see it, right? And don't you think in life, it seems like those people who have learned how to move past yeah. that irrational fear, they're the ones who win in life. It seems like they're the ones who have the successes, go live the dream, do the things that they've always wanted to I'm do. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm not going to let that thing stop me. Yeah. I'm going to do what needs to be done because I know it's going to be better. Yeah, I, I totally, totally agree. i tell you what research is showing research is showing if you don't get past some of those irrational fears mm-hmm. it your self-esteem ends up taking a huge huge hit it's a great paradox i think we see people who look like they have it all they're handsome in every way we say this person has to have a huge high sense of self-worth but they don't yeah and i think you can trace it back to Though they've achieved a lot of things in life, maybe received a lot of praise from their friends and family, the most recent studies discover that the one component to low feeling of self-worth is this. When you face a difficult situation, a fear-producing situation, do you take action and face it head-on or do you avoid it? Do you bail on it in the moment? And I've done it. 
wimp out, run and hide? I've certainly done that. Yeah, me too. Or do you face it head on? And what the research has found is when people take action, even though things don't turn out perfectly, they still get a surge of delight. There's something in them that makes them feel proud. I did a yeah. hard thing. I did a hard thing. I took on a difficult challenge or I faced that fear directly. And what it does is it causes them to grow. They get a sense of strength inside of them. They think I'm a, I'm a competent, capable person. And uh, that's huge. I when think you- we all have those experiences. Yeah. They may be small. They may not be, you know, you may not have achieved something that everybody knows about, but we've all had experiences where we did something that went against our fear and it worked out great. And it was the most exciting, mm-hmm. exhilarating feeling in our lives when there's a hard decision to be made and nobody else is stepping up, but you step up to the plate using a baseball analogy. You make the decision, you claim responsibility. Even if it doesn't turn out great, there is a huge benefit to your sense of self-worth. So right. uh, I think that it's something for people to really consider when they take initiative to have a difficult conversation. Now, this is where the water hits the what water hits the wheel. Yeah, where the water hits the wheel. When you take initiative to have a difficult conversation with a boss mm-hmm. or with a parent mm-hmm. or with a spouse uh, or with a child, it would be easier, sure, to shrink back. But your interior world would shrink as well if you wanted oh, yeah. to be strengthened you have that conversation when you're wrestling with attitudes um in your life addictions mm-hmm. or struggles and you just they make you afraid like my deal with success they make you afraid so you just kind of put them put it out of your mind something inside of you shrinks every time you do that mm-hmm. but if you face it all the research seems to indicate that uh, whether the outcome turns out like you want it to or not you still feel better about yourself. And uh, I think that's important for us to remember. What is that thing about success though, that makes you fearful? What, why would you be afraid of something so good? You know, once again, I don't think it's in the success. I think it is in, I, I experienced, I think in kind of the way people see things, I experienced success young. I uh, went through college at a record speed. Mm-hmm. I, uh, held a position as a senior pastor younger than anybody mm-hmm. I've ever known went from there to graduate school where I was told you may have pastored in t- college in mm-hmm. Texas, but you're not going to pastor in graduate school. It's mm-hmm. competition's too great. I went straight to graduate school, got the plum job of anybody. And so here I was this young, young minister mm-hmm. and I was kind of killing it. Yeah. Um, and uh, then I moved away from graduate school and pastored a third church. And But then my marriage blew up. And I think shame and which was not, I mean, I, I wish I'd had coping skills that right. I didn't have. But shame um, kind of came in and there was a sense of if I ever can get through this, then I'm going to be just this amazingly humble guy mm. who just is happy and grateful for everything. And I'm never going to think about success ever again, because to me, I had fallen from a a height that kind of broke me, even though it wasn't a real high. It wasn't, you know, I didn't have a business like you had that was very successful. But for me, it was a big fall. And I said, I don't want to ever experience that again. I totally get that. And uh, so I I took a couple of years off. And when I finally uh, was given an opportunity again, Anytime success kind of crossed my mind, I just put it out of my mind. It's like, I don't, I, I don't want to go there. I don't think I can go there. That's not probably going to be in my 
in my time, I think that I just want to humbly serve here where I'm serving and be totally content with that. But I wasn't. If I could have been, then that makes a great story because then you're just able to, with contentment, live out your life. But I think always I was struggling with, no, there's more in me I'm supposed to be doing, but I wouldn't let me break through. My inner psychologist is going to come out. So what I hear you saying. <laughs> Do I have to lay down on anything? You don't have to okay, lay down. Right. What I hear you saying is you're not really afraid of success. You're afraid of losing that, any gains. I've never thought about it that way, but that may be, and I got a tear in my eye. That may be exactly what it is. And uh, so I think I put some parameters on my life. It was devastating. My fall to me was devastating. And I think a healthier person would have said, that's life. You get up, you dust yourself off, and you get back in the game. But my psyche was so affected that it's taken me a long time. Mine too. The same thing with the loss of my marriage. When I was nine years old, I would pray that I would meet a beautiful girl, fall in love, and be married forever. And that's the thing I wanted more than anything else. We built a business together. It was successful. And then... She left and I was devastated. And so now I don't think that I'm afraid of relationship. I know I'm afraid of heartbreak. So relationship for me is like success for you. Yeah. It's it's there up closer. And what we're really afraid of is on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. And possibly not even a factor. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I have worn this now for 30 years mm-hmm. and probably have more clarity right this minute wow. than I have before because I would just push it aside. I mean, I still had, I still would have thoughts of bigger success, mm-hmm. and, but I never would step out. It was just, it was just something that crossed my mind. I'd say, yeah, that, that would be nice. But then I would pull myself back mm-hmm. And uh, it finally reached a point where I thought, I can't stand this anymore. Mm -hmm. I have more in me than I'm allowing myself to experience, to pursue. And, but I don't think I really understood it until you said it just a moment ago. I think you were right. Um, The fear is the failure after the success. And Mm -hmm. what if I have to go through that all over again? And I would just rather be under the radar. You know, that things like blogging. And things like podcast, mm-hmm. I didn't do those things when I wanted to do them because I, again, I thought, what if, what if there's failure involved again? Yeah. And I just wanted to protect my life from any kind of failure. Interesting. And that's what we do, I think. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes, and maybe for a season, it's always good, but forever, probably not. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it leads us to, at least for me, a life of stagnation. Mm-hmm. And then a frustration with that because there is at a real internal level a sense of I want to be doing more, I need to be doing more, but I'm protecting myself from any chance of failing at doing more. And so I look at my life and say, this feels so same-o, 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 and I've got something churning in me that wants more, but I've got a governor on me that won't let me break through. The thing that's really unique about each of us is that I know my potential. I know what's great about me, but I also know what's horrible about me. The more somebody 
gets to know me, they may see a little bit of both of those things, but they never see all of it. Right. I know things that are great about you. I know some of your weaknesses. I think your weaknesses aren't factors, but to you internally, they're huge. They're massive sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That that's true. And, uh, it, it has caused, it has cost me joy. And I feel like I live a big life. I feel like I live wonderful, do a lot of great things and am proud of, of those things. But I think it has cost me immense joy because I didn't get back in the arena and go for it the way I did as a young man. Yeah. Fearless. I was fearless. But what's cool about what we're doing is that we're determined to go forward to, to not let those governors control us anymore. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, and I think all of these years it me and you probably mm-hmm. too, we live with this. Well, what if, what if this happens and then, and then I fail again, or yeah. what if, um, you know, I, I hated the, uh, the being rejected by people. Yeah. I hated, I was always a lover, not a fighter. Yeah. And then suddenly I go through this failure. I feel like I'm rejected. So what if, what if, what if, and I think the stronger mentality is yeah play it out what if so what so what you you can get through this it if doesn't you have don't, to set you down for 30 years if you don't have haters you're not doing yeah. all that you can do and not yeah. being all that you can be yeah that that i didn't i think i wanted to be liked and i think mm-hmm. that became very tough and uh, having people um disassociate from me or whatever yeah. and I, it's like I would rather just live a smaller life and not have that happen again. I but, get it. But I know deep down that's not what I really, really want. I have a feeling this conversation is going to matter to people in a way that we didn't anticipate when yeah, we decided yeah. to talk about it oh, because I, yeah. we're not unique. Most people, I think, go through this time where you know, you're stuck or whatever. Or you've got this fear that's limiting your possibility. But at some point you say, enough, I'm not going to let it stop me anymore. Yeah. You know what to me is interesting about this talk is I prepared, you know, like I would for any podcast. Yeah. And I had a lot of of material. But if you'd asked me, Ray, do you struggle with fear? I'd say, of course not. Not (laughs) not really. I don't, I I can't think of it. Yeah. I'm afraid of, uh, I don't know. I can't, I mean, I would have a hard time. But then when you really pull back the uh, layers, you Mm -hmm. realize, oh my gosh. Yeah. That was a big, part probably the biggest part of um of maybe why i haven't done some of the things that i deep deep down have wanted to do for a long long time one of the things and i never anticipated that we were going to go in this direction but one of the things that i know works when you're overcoming a fear in your life or a struggle what call it whatever you want to any kind of limitation is accountability. Right. And you and I are creating a tremendous accountability system yeah. with anybody who listens to this. Yeah. I think because you're, yeah, the people are going to have to think about these things and they, we're, we're wanting them to break through. We want them to get to the other side. We want them to be able to talk about it. And we're wanting people to see us achieve what is in our hearts and right. in our minds to help people break through. And if we're successful doing what our dreams are, what we talk about when nobody's around, really helping people get from stuck to places where they're achieving something powerful and bigger than they ever thought they could. That's going to, we're either going to do it or we're not. Right. 
And now we're accountable because we've talked about it. Oh my gosh. I had no, <laughs> no idea. We started this. We we're going to be in this place. I will say this. If someone tracked my life over the last 30 years, they'd say, my gosh, he's, he's doing wonderful. Yeah. He's got a beautiful family. His kids have grown up into wonderful Absolutely. adults. He's got great grandkids. And they would say Ray Waters doesn't have fear. Yeah. And until just now I'm able to kind of say, no, if you knew what I really felt yeah. in my heart, I was destined for. Yeah, I have been tremendously hindered by fear, deep down fear. That's that's something. It's cool that the book that we read this week is about a woman who is seemingly fearless. Yes, I thought so too. And she's a millennial, and I. I didn't have a lot of experience with actually reading a book written from someone that oh, age. Wow. And I found that very, very interesting. I'm so motivated. I don't know. I'm in tune with the idea of hearing the voice of younger women, because when I was a kid, the first book I fell in love with was, are you there? God, it's me, Margaret. And so anytime I hear that strong female voice or whatever it it Resonate. motivates and resonates huh. me in a way that hearing the same thing from a man just doesn't do yeah. anything for me. So that's why I was drawn to this book and I wanted you to read it to see what you would get out of you it. You know, and I thought you'd lost your mind when you told me to read it. Cause I thought ah, <laughs> I'm reading a, tw- a millennial book that deals with uh, vintage clothing. And I thought this yeah, is the strangest assignment, but uh, let, me, let me tell you what it is. It's the name of the book is girl boss. And it's the autobiography of an entrepreneur, Sophia, do you say Amoruso? Amoruso. Amoruso, okay. I think. I haven't heard it. She was a young, she was a young, hot mess. Yeah. She had no focus. She had no ambition. She was an anarchist in a way. Um, But then she stumbled into something that she was way better than great at. Yeah. And uh, it just, it's a true story. She started selling old vintage clothes on eBay. And she didn't even know what margin was. She didn't know that margin was another word for profit, but she started making killer margin. Get this. She would buy a dress at an estate sale for $8. And then I'm thinking, okay, profit, maybe sell it for 12 She would sell that dress for $1,000. That just kills yeah, me. Yeah, would, I would never think that's possible. Uh, me either. Um, as one successful sale followed another, she realized she was really good at making money this way. And she invested her heart. Here was a girl who had no ambition. She seemed to be going nowhere, but as she discovered this business, she really became more focused. I mean, it was amazing to me how this girl in real life became so focused, um, how she, was killing it on eBay and other competitors. They tried to sabotage. Yeah. They, they, it was, she was just having more success than anybody, but she figured it out. She wasn't in the business of reselling old stuff. She was actually in the business of restyling old stuff Yeah, to make it edgy, to make it modern, um, to make it desirable. And she began to kill it. I, her success. I had never read anything like what she did. And uh, so thank you for recommending that book. I'm really glad that I read it. From being broke, not being able to afford to go to the doctor to deal with the fact that she had a hernia. That was crazy. Yeah. yeah. And if you see the TV, this is also a Netflix series. And if you watch that, that hernia looks freaky weird. <laughs> so at the age of 22, Sophia uh, becomes this adventurous entrepreneur. She begins a venture known as Nasty girl. That's what yeah, it's nasty, called. Nasty gal. Nasty gal. Okay. Nasty gal. 
And uh, she begins it in the basement of her aunt's house. And she has no business education. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know anything except she is buying clothes at thrift stores. She has a ph- photography skill. And so she yeah. knows how to shoot pictures that evidently make it really pop. Yeah. She says something about she realized when she was looking at other eBay sellers the thing that made her stuff distinctive is she understood the power of silhouette as people were scrolling through a lot of pictures of a lot of clothing she noticed that her pictures emphasized the silhouette so that you could see that if you were scrolling fast and once you understand a reason that you're successful that's one little part of it and then you start doing more of that it it really starts to snowball sometimes I was fascinated by that. I was fascinated by how she would recruit models to model the clothes so she could shoot the the clothes on them. And she would do it by offering them a hamburger. She didn't have anything to offer. So Who she'd say, knew you could pay a model in hamburgers? I know. That was like that crazy. <laughs> that, and, and the way that it grew starts in 2006. By 2011, Sales had increased, I'm not super big with math, but 10,160%. And by 2012, her company's annual revenues were over $100 million. That's a lot. It's amazing. That is. And here she is, just a millennial who uh, has figured it out. She goes from being just, she she talks about dumpster diving. I mean, she was actually going into dumpsters to get food because she just, she worked odd jobs. She just didn't have much interest in anything but then it hit for her and uh, i thought it was great. what are some other things about the book that really spoke to you i like the humility that she had early as she worked those weird jobs she was a, a sandwich artist at subway yeah, and yeah. she had all of these little weird jobs that she didn't enjoy but she says that she learned things from all of those things and i think that's a really cool thing to be able to say i'm not gonna stay here but it's where I need to be right now just to survive. I'm going to go somewhere bigger, better. Yeah. But I'm going to appreciate what I can learn here right now. I appreciated the fact that I've heard people say of others, well, he's lazy or she's lazy. And I've always thought, and maybe Tony Robbins said this, that um, he thinks it's a motivation Mm -hmm. issue. Maybe they just haven't found their, their niche yet because she goes from people being able to say, underachiever in school, yeah. underachiever in jobs, underachiever in every way. But suddenly when she finds what she's really good at, she's not an underachiever anymore. She's working 18, 19 hours a day. She just wakes up and works and goes to sleep after midnight. It was fascinating she, to me to see how that works. See, her bed is covered with work, her wall to wall work. She just, it, and I've been there when I built my business. It was, that's the way it is. I couldn't imagine stopping or wanting to stop for even a minute. I didn't want to sleep. I didn't want to do anything, but do that. And so I kind of remembered what that feels like. And as I get older, one of the things going back to the fear thing that I have is like, I can't imagine getting back to that level of passion that's possible when you're young, but I don't want to limit the idea that it's possible to get back there. Yeah. I, 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 and I want to experience that. I want to experience what it's like. Um, I do get excited now and I have trouble sleeping. Mm-hmm. So now you're talking about the things that you and I yeah. are doing uh, work wise that I'm very excited about. And I lay in bed and think, wow, this is exciting. But, uh, 
that is that has to be wonderful when you wake up at six in the morning and you just hit it and you're just working mm-hmm. all day long. I wish that for everybody. I tell you something else I was fascinated about her. When she began to make money, um, she was still very conservative. She, she frugal, far, frugal. Yeah, I liked that. That she, she, she wanted to get a portion, and everything said she could afford to get a yeah. portion, but she didn't. Um, she said she went on a trip, and I, um, while she was on this trip, they had just moved into a big office, and somebody had authorized the buying of some chairs. Herman Miller chairs. Yeah, the chair that you have. That, that they had bought them, right? Uh, not really. That's not, that, um, that, mine is for home. Those were for office. offices. So, okay. But they're expensive okay. like mine is. Okay, because when I saw that, I said, I think that's the chair that Neil has. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she, when she came back into town and they have all this furniture that was way yeah. not what she thought it was time for, she made them sell and go on eBay <laughs> and sell every single one of them. But I thought that was cool because I could imagine me in my 20s had I come into a fortune of saying, ah, oh, yeah, let's just keep the chairs, let's buy the Porsche, let's take yeah. everybody to Aspen or whatever. And, and she didn't have that at all. It's really the opposite of Jen Sincero's badass idea because she believes in buying something, even if you don't have the money for it, if that will motivate you to make right. the money. And in my opinion, if you have proven to yourself that you can do that, that you can buy something and make the money yeah. and it's not an yeah, issue. Yeah, I want to see some proof, yeah. Only if you have I proof agree. of your own experience of I your t- ability to do that should you do that. Otherwise, I like the idea of being frugal because maybe that's fear. I don't know, but I think it's I think more wisdom. wisdom. I do too. I think it's wisdom just to, and you don't have to have it all today. You can, yeah. uh, I, I thought that was good. What else about her jumped out to you that you thought, I like this about her? She's a rule breaker and I love rule breakers. Yeah. I I think there's great things about rule followers because they make the world survive. Yeah. I don't if we were all rule breakers, it would be a mess. Yeah. But there's a book that we're gonna talk about sometime in the future that's about how rule breakers change the world. People like Steve Jobs. Right. And I think she Sophia is a rule breaker that's changed Maybe not. It's not the whole world. Most people have not heard of her, but that little world of fashion. She's changed how people approach that business. She hired the guy who ran the website business for Land's End and Nordstrom. I forgot about that. That's right. And she said she is shoplifted from Nordstrom <laughs> to early in her twenties, and yeah. she felt a little like that was kind of crazy that yeah. she was now hiring the guy that was the big deal there. That's funny. Yeah, the guy with fifteen years' experience doing that, and she didn't look for him. He wanted to work for her because he realized that she was creating a revolution in the industry. Man. You know, I I remember reading in the book uh, a girl boss, and when I'd receive that at first, I think ah, that, I never think of myself as a girl boss. But I realized that I realized why she used the terminology that she mm-hmm. was empowering to young ladies mm-hmm. who need to be that have that sense of empowerment because so long they've been put down. Mm-hmm. And I finally was able to get my uh, uh, middle aged mind on the other side of that and realize that uh, this is empowering everybody. Anybody yeah. who reads this book, it's an empowering message that uh, she gives she she says you need to be willing to work for it you need to be willing to take control to accept responsibility you need to know that you're a fighter you have to be a fighter sometimes you have to know when to throw punches and you have to know when you need to just roll with the punches yeah. and she was 
it ended up being a very encouraging book. I enjoyed it very, very much. Me too. And I think even if you're inclined, like you were inclined not to read it, if you do it, you're going to enjoy it. And probably even better, you're going to want to pass it on to any young woman in your life who might need that kind of inspiration yeah. and encouragement. Yeah. I'm glad you, I'm glad you recommended it. I'm, I'm a very good book. Yeah. Very good book. And your book is good, and they can get your book, Tightrope Tango, by going to tango.raywaters.com. Neil, I'm excited. You and I are going to jump into another book, and we're going to talk about that and yeah. some other things that will be helpful, and I'm enjoying what we're doing. On the next episode is Creativity, Inc. So you can get Sophia's book by going to girlboss.raywaters.com. You can get the next book, Creativity, Inc., by going to Creativity, Inc., Raywaters.com. You can get Ray's book by going to tango.raywaters.com. You are a genius. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> but I appreciate the thought. Until the next time. Okay.